You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Last week, I uh, started kind of just talking about what it means to be uh, a peacemaker. And so I want to kind of continue on that theme today. And I want to just talk about something that I really believe that God desperately desires for his people. And I think it's the one thing that Satan really kind of fears and fights against. I think it's the one thing that he will uh, work day and night to try to undo and to prevent It's something that Jesus prayed for himself just before he went to the cross. It is the one thing that the Bible says will convince people that the church has something the world does not. It is one of the things that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was meant to accomplish and What I'm talking about here is unity in the body of Christ. Now, all of us are probably familiar with, and we've maybe read many times, uh, the Beatitudes that Jesus talked about in his Sermon on the Mount there in Matthew chapter 5. And he would talk about, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be the children of God. And you're probably familiar with that. Well, somebody interestingly kind of wrote um, almost an opposite set of Beatitudes that they called uh, were Satan's Beatitudes. And it was something that the devil devil himself would write uh, if he were to write his own beatitudes, and if he were, they said they would probably go something like this. Blessed are those who are too tired, too busy, too distracted to spend an hour once a week with their fellow Christians. They are my best workers. Blessed are those Christians who wait to be asked and expected to be thanked. I can use them. Blessed are the touchy with a bit of luck. They may stop going to church. They are my missionaries. Blessed are the troublemakers. They shall be called my children. Blessed are the complainers. I am all ears to them. Blessed is the church member who expects to be invited to his own church, for he is part of the problem instead of the solution. Blessed are they who gossip, for they shall cause strife and divisions that please me. Blessed are they who are easily offended, for they will soon get angry and quit. Blessed are they who do not give their offering to carry of God's work, for they are my helpers. Blessed is he who professes to love God, but hates his brother and sister. He shall be with me forever. Blessed are you when you hear this, and think it is about other people and not yourself. I've got you. Again, these, are, these would be kind of Satan's strategies. This would kind of be the way he would go about dividing and conquering the church. Now again, the devil is no match for a united church, no matter how big or small that church is, no matter how big its budget is, how many buildings it has, uh, it can usually 
and can be defeated and divided one member at a time. And that's usually what the devil does. He'll just kind of come into a united body, and rather than go after the whole body at once, he'll kind of just start with one person at a time, and it'll kind of just start spreading uh, in the church. And again, the devil's motive is division, his method is deception, and his mission is total destruction. That's why Jesus said in John 10.10, he said the thief's purpose, and he's talking about the devil there, the devil's purpose there is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now when I talk about unity, let me be really clear here, I'm not talking about union, okay? United is when you bond with someone with whom you may not share a common bond. When I talk about unity, I'm not talking about uniformity, okay? Uniformity is when everyone looks alike, talks alike, sounds alike, thinks alike, okay? Cults, uh, dictatorships usually require uniformity. When I refer to unity, I'm not referring to uh, unanimity, which is where everybody ought to always agree on everything. I remember back when Barack Obama was first elected president of the United States. One of the very first things that he came under just extreme criticism for was from uh, militant homosexual groups because he, Obama, had invited uh, conservative evangelical pastor Rick Warren to kind of give the inaugural invocation. And these uh, gay groups, these militant homosexual groups protested viciously Obama's choice because Rick Warren was opposed uh, to gay marriage and he then at that time supported what they called Amendment 8 in California which called for a state constitutional amendment stating that marriage was exclusively between one man and one woman. Whereas Obama at that time supported gay unions and he opposed Amendment 8. But in spite of that, he still reached out and invited Rick Warren to come. Now, when Rick Warren was later interviewed about this and all the controversy surrounding that, Rick Warren gave this classic response. And here's what he said. You don't have to see eye to eye in order to walk hand in hand. I thought, man, that's really good. So unity should not be confused with uh, unanimity. So when I refer to unity, I'm not referring to union or being united, uniformity or to unanimity. When I talk about unity, what I believe God desires, what I believe God is after is a oneness of heart, a similarity in purpose, a bond that is built upon faith and an agreement on biblical truth. And this really kind of describes the, the, the early church there in the book of Acts. It's interesting when our founding fathers signed the Declaration of Independence. Benjamin Franklin at some point stood up and he made this infamous statement. And he said, gentlemen, now we must all hang together or assuredly we shall all hang separately. And I believe that's true for any church when it comes to true, authentic, biblical unity. We all hang together or we're all gonna hang separately. Neither Satan 
nor his legion of demons, not even the gates of hell, Jesus said, can prevail or defeat a united church because there's nowhere that he can attack the body. Because every flank is covered, every side is protected, every member defends and protects each other. But again, like I said, one by one, member by member, when we become divided against each other, any of us and all of us are open to and can succumb to his evil and destructive ways. So let me ask you this question. Whose job is it to protect and to promote the unity of the church? The answer is every one of us. Every one of us in this room, it is our job to protect and to promote the unity in the church. God brings the unity through his Holy Spirit, but it is our mandate to keep and to protect the unity God ushers in. The Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus and he's to the body of Christ which includes us. He says this in chapter four, verse one. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg. I mean, that's a strong word, beg. I plead with you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Every one of you in this room, you have a calling. God is calling you to specific things individually. God is calling us as a body to specific things, unity being one of those. And he says, to lead a life worthy of your calling, to lead a life worthy of our calling together as a collective body. He says, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. That, that's, that's, a, that's a powerful statement there. Be patient with each other. How often we get impatient with each other. Making allowances means factor it in. There's gonna be faults among us that we just gotta factor in. We just gotta accept. It's part of being a body. And do that because of your love for God. Do that because of your love for one another. And he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So in the time we've got left here this morning, let me kind of just give you some things that God expects each of us, you know, a part of the body of Christ to do in both protecting, promoting, and preserving the unity of the church. The first thing is, is that God expects us to advertise our unity. I love Psalm 133, verse one. It's a really short psalm. If you've got time today, I would encourage you to Read that, spend a little bit of time uh, looking at that this week. And it says, behold. Now that, that word behold, it, it just says, take this, take what I'm about to say and just set it in front of your eyes. Just behold. Just look at that in wonder. Just look at that in uh, just amazement. Behold. 
how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The message translates the same verse saying, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. He's saying it's a good, it is a pleasant, it is a wonderful, it is a beautiful sight in the eyes of God and, and in our eyes when God's people are unified and in harmony with one another. Now, I've just was kind of thinking about that this week as I was preparing the message, and I kind of remembered a, a time where I kind of saw this work, um, and a time where I saw that it didn't work. And it was kind of in the context of uh, the, the ministerial association. So when I was in Sheldon, I was there for three years, and I served as the associate pastor in the United Methodist Church there. And when I was in Panora, before I went to um, Sheldon, I was part of the ministerial association there. And so when I went on to Sheldon, I kind of, you know, got involved in the ministerial association there. And it was probably by far the best experience I ever had in a ministerial association. We would, as pastors of the local churches there in the Sheldon area, we would get together once a month. And I'm telling you, I loved these men. It was um, all men. There were no ladies a part of that. Sorry, ladies. It, not that we planned it that way. It just was. Uh, but I loved these men. And we came from such diverse religious backgrounds. We even had, you know, we had a Catholic priest in there. We had people from all kinds of denominations. And we were really able to bond together as a ministerial association. I looked forward to going to those ministerial associations. And one of the rules that they had that I thought really brought the unity to that was we acknowledged that we had differences there. As a matter of fact, we had, um, in that particular small town, there was what they called the RCA, the Reformed Church of America, and then the CRC, which was uh, the, the uh, Church of the Reformed of America, I think is what that was. And anyway, I didn't really understand, what was that? Christian Reformed Church, yes, thank you. I had been a while since I, but I knew the RCA was the Reformed Church of America. And there were two pastors uh, in there, and I remember them very, very well. And we were, we were driving to a conference one time, and they were both in the van, and I thought, this is just gonna be a great opportunity to ask the question, because we were all such good friends, and I felt like it could be asked. I looked at him and I said, so what is the difference between the RCA and the CRC, because they're both reformed, what is the difference? They both laughed and said, you're not gonna believe the answer. And I said, really? And they said, yeah. They said, basically the difference is, is that one of them used the hymnal, so they were kind of more of a, of a hymn singing church that used a hymnal versus, I think it was the CRC that, that was able to use praise choruses. They were able to use live instruments in the worship. And they said, that's basically the only difference. I thought, wow, that's really odd, but anyway, so it, it kind of just underscored again the unity that was there. And here's what I believe brought and maintained and preserved that unity. We all agreed on the essentials. 
We all believe that Jesus Christ was Lord. We believe the Bible was the infallible, inerrant word of God. We believe, you know, all of the things that uh, were the essentials. But what they always said to us and what we always strove uh, to abide by was on our differences, we would think and let think. And we would never discuss those. So we would have meetings where something would be brought up and it would be something that was we, we would deem as a ministerial association to be a non-essential. And if the conversation ever started going in that direction, somebody in that group was always quick to remind the pastors, hey guys, we've all agreed on our differences. We're just gonna think and let think. And that ended the conversation and we moved on. Now, the reason I point this out is because there was such unity in that ministerial association that any time the city was trying to do something and needed the input, they needed the influence, they needed the cooperation of the church, they would come to the ministerial associations. I remember many, many times the mayor of Sheldon would come to the ministerial association and he would say, guys, I need your help. This is what we're trying to do. I need the churches to get behind this. I need you guys to talk about this. I need the churches united on this. And 95% of the time, we were able to get on board and we were able to move things uh, together as a ministerial association. Um, and again, part of the beauty of that was the city would come to us because they knew we were united. If we can get the ministerial association, this will make things go so much quicker. So it, it was very, very unified. So I, I loved this group of men. Um, counter that to when I came to Mason City. And I got involved in the ministerial association here. And I'll just give you one example. We were so disunified. And it was, uh, I remember going to meetings and, and having people criticize conservative theological positions. I mean, they would just outright mock anybody who believed uh, certain ways on certain issues. And so it kind of created, you know, just a level of distrust, of disunity in this ministerial association. And so one of the ways that that kind of manifested itself was there was a, an agency in town that approached the ministerial association and they asked us if we would be willing to establish a meditation room. And I believe it was... Uh, through maybe Francis Lauer, I don't remember exactly, but they'd ask us if we would be willing to establish some kind of a meditation room where clients, residents could go and just have a time where they could sit and they could kind of just meditate. I, I keep tripping over this speed bump here. Um, but th they could go and they could kind of just, you know, sit, meditate. Um, and so we thought, yeah, this would be a great thing. And so we kind of started discussing this. So, you know, we kind of thought, well, you know, the first thing that you'd want to put in a, in a room where you're kind of meditating would be a cross. You know, and so there were a couple of people, yeah, yeah, a cross would be a great idea. Well, then somebody said, well, you know, what about the Star of David? 
And we're, we're gonna, you know, because we're, there are gonna be people that are, you know, uh, Jewish, and they're gonna need their symbol in there. And then, you know, what about, you know, people who are of the Islamic faith? You know, they're gonna need their symbol in there. And so before long, it, it just devolved into all of these symbols that we were gonna have to put in this meditation room to cover all of these different um, religions. So then it kind of went into the Bible. And what we, you know, we felt like we needed to put a Bible in there. So you know, people could go in, you know, they, could, they could open their Bible, they could read, and they could meditate. Well, we're gonna have to put a Quran in there. And, and so it, it, it just kind of devolved into all of these different kinds of religious literature that we're gonna have to provide and put in this meditation, and, and it just devolved into every time somebody mentioned something to put in the meditation room, it, it just, other people would start saying, well, we gotta have this, and, and finally, somebody in the room said, I don't remember who it was, but he was right on, and just said, what are we doing? We're Christians. We're Christian pastors, the only thing we should be promoting is the Christian faith. And there were people in there that staunchly disagreed with that and nothing was done. And no one, to my knowledge, ever really came to that group of, of, of pastors in that ministerial association to ever ask us to get involved in anything. Because we couldn't do anything because we were so divided. And oftentimes we see that in, in denominations, we see that in churches where issues and things like that begin to divide and to conquer a church. So that, that to me was kind of one of those things where, where we were able, and Sheldon, we were able to advertise our unity. And we were able to use that unity among the pastors to really help and to be a blessing, not just to our churches, but to our city at large. And one of the most powerful and promising prayers ever prayed by anyone in the history of the world, Jesus prayed this prayer for his church, okay, his body, and that prayer prayed then over 2,000 years ago, that prayer is still in effect today. And here's what he says, I am not praying, I'm praying not only for these disciples, meaning the ones who were with him at that time. He said, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. We, we read their message in scripture today. And he says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe, will advertise, you sent me. That's again, I just, part of that appearance, you know, of Stephen having the face of the angel. It was an advertisement to the world of the difference that Jesus made. And so there, Jesus prayed that we as believers would be one, that we would be united now the literal translation of, of Psalm 133 verse one which I quoted earlier is this, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together even as one. That's the goal that he's after. 
We are to be one just as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. Their unity is an advertisement. Their unity is an invitation for his body to experience what the Godhead experiences. The Godhead dwells in unity. The Godhead, they relate one to another in unity. There's there's no disunity between the Father and the Son. There's no division between Jesus the Son and, and God the Holy Spirit. They are united. They are one. And he says, just as we are one, he's, it's an invitation for the church to reflect that as well. The Trinity is not a tri-unity. It is not three gods. It is one God in three persons, totally, completely, in perfect harmony and unity. Unity is the very nature of God himself. And that is why disharmony and disunity, it grieves the heart of God. It is against his very nature. Hear this, the one thing the Holy Spirit will not and cannot do is work in a church that is divided. He can't. He won't. Work in a church that is divided. Dwight L. Moody once said, I've never known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. I believe that's true. Jesus goes on to say in John 17, 22, I have given them the glory you gave me. And again, he's praying to the Father. I have given them the glory, Father, that you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world, the world, the unbelieving world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Now the them there that Jesus is referring to is you and me. Jesus said the glory that God had given him, it's the same God that wants to give that glory to you and me as well. In a world of political, of national, philosophical, theological upheaval, God is glorified, he is magnified, he's lifted up. We sang about that this morning. Be lifted up. He is lifted up and satisfied when his children, his church, his body is unified. I also want you to notice that twice in this prayer, Jesus repeats that phrase, that the world may know. That's our greatest advertisement. That the world may know, believe that you sent me. I believe the greatest advertisement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is not a billboard, it is not a newspaper ad, it's not an ad in the phone book or even a web page. The greatest, the most effective and influential advertisement for the gospel of Jesus Christ is a church, a body, a people who are unified in the Holy Spirit and that are committed. 
I mean committed and steadfastly endeavoring to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and committed to loving one another regardless of any disagreements we might have. Again, we unify, we come together, we're like-minded on the essentials, and we kind of just give liberty and love in the non-essentials. Many of us have heard that, that saying, there's strength in numbers. Well, that isn't always true. There is only strength in number if those numbers are unified and united. One brick by itself is absolutely worthless. But many bricks together can make a strong wall. One shingle by itself is pretty much worthless. But one shingle among many can make a roof and give shelter and protection. One link is worthless, but many links together makes a strong chain. And the stronger our unity as a body, the stronger our advertisement of unity becomes to a watching world, the greater and more effective the church becomes. The second thing is God expects us to advocate our unity. Someone once made the following statement. They said, coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress, but working together is success. Why should we come together and work together? Well, three words that should give us each plenty of motivation. The first word you find there in Psalm 133.1 is the word family or the idea of family. It's implied there. And this, was, this psalm was addressed to, it was intended for the brethren, okay? The brethren there refers to the people, the family of God. And the only way we're gonna be a family of God is we've gotta start by acknowledging we have the same Father. That is exactly what a church is. It begins and it really maintains itself by recognizing and claiming the same heavenly Father. Incidentally, this is why I believe Paul, you know, kind of advocated against an unbeliever being married uh, to a believer. Because again, Paul understood marriage. He, he saw that kind of a, as the, the, the goal of bringing uh, complete unity between a man and a woman. But a Christian cannot have complete unity with a non-Christian. You can have union but Paul's saying it's gonna be very, very difficult to have unity. And again, true, authentic, biblical unity, it is a oneness of heart. It is a similarity of purpose and direction, a bond of faith in God, and an agreement and an adherence to biblical truth. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For he says, what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? So again, the first word there that he wants to draw our attention to is that word brethren, that we are a family. Second interesting word is fruitfulness. 
Now it's interesting because David makes a comparison there in Psalm 133 that's very interesting. And he compares unity to the precious oil upon the head, and he says, running down the beard and upon the robes of Aaron. Now, why is unity like oil? Well, again, we often find that, that oil represents the Holy Spirit. And Aaron was a high priest of Israel. And the high priest was to be anointed with oil before he could ever enter into the Holy of Holies to represent the nation of Israel before God. And what's interesting is God gives this very special, very unique recipe for that specific anointing oil. And he said it was to be made up of myrrh, cinnamon, sweet calamus, and cassie. And this mixture was then to be blended with olive oil. And God would give them the specific measurements for each element that was to be used in the making of the anointing oil. And then it gives this warning in Exodus 30, verse 33, that this oil must never be imitated. It must never be substituted. And he said, anyone who attempts to do that will be cut off from the people of God. Now the same way that those very specific ingredients and allotments came together to create this wonderful, this powerful anointing oil, likewise to be unified by the oil of the Holy Spirit requires Jesus through the Holy Spirit living in me, Jesus living in you, Jesus living in that brother, in that sister, it's Jesus living in all of us. And again, recognizing we have different callings. We have different giftings. We have different functions, okay? We recognize that. We celebrate that. We want to get you moving and using those unique giftings and callings for your life. But it's never, ever at the expense of maintaining one father, one faith, one baptism, one body one Lord. God's desire is that we all, we're a, we're a unique blend. Do you realize there's no other church in the world that has the blend we have here today? We are a unique blend of people that will never be reproduced anywhere else. And every other church is like that as well. That third word, focus. Romans 14, 19 says, let us concentrate, concentrate, concentrate on the things which make for harmony. Man, how many times do I get distracted and get focused on the things that make for disharmony? That's why he says, you've got to concentrate. This just isn't going to happen naturally. It's not just going to flow naturally on your own, apart from God. You've got you to be committed. You've got to concentrate. You've got to focus on the things which make for harmony. Again, it is so easy to, to focus on, to concentrate, and to get distracted by the things that make for disharmony. And get this, and on the growth of one another's character. 
Not the assault of one another's character. That's again where we're we're called to bear with one another. Make allowances for other people's faults. On the growth of one another's character. Paul's saying, you know what? We need to be more focused. We need to be concentrating on what we have in common, not our differences. Again, God desires unity, not uniformity. But for the sake of unity, we should never, ever allow or give room for our differences that divide us. We must stay focused on, we must concentrate on what matters most. And that is loving each other just as Christ has loved us. This means we focus on the majors, not on the minors. You've heard that before, but it's so true. We all believe in the same Bible, the same Lord, the same spirit, the same faith. Again, those are the things that really matter. Those are the things we've gotta stay focused on, and those are the things we've gotta work together in unity towards. Again, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love one another as we love ourselves. If we just got that right, Jesus said everything else will fall into place. You don't have to worry about any other commandment, breaking it or keeping it, if you'll just love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor, who's got a lot of faults and failures. Make allowances for that. Bear with him, bear with her, bear with them in that bond, in that unity of love. That's what we're being called to. He said, if you'll just do that one thing, everything else will be taken care of. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Again, don't be divided. All your love, all your heart, mind, soul, strength, all of it. Someone has rightly observed conflict is usually a sign that the focus has shifted to less important issues, things the Bible calls disputable matters. And again, when we get focused on personalities, preferences, interpretations, styles, or methods, division and disharmony are usually right around the corner. But Paul says if we focus and concentrate on loving God, loving each other, living out and fulfilling God's purposes and plans for our lives, he said harmony will just naturally occur. It's a byproduct of that. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1.10. He said, I, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Let me just do a pop quiz. See how many of you were paying attention this morning. Whose responsibility is it, whose job is it to promote and to protect the unity of the church? Yeah. It's not just the pastors, it's not just the elders, it's not just the worship team, it's all of us working together, 
praying for one another, making allowances for our faults and our differences, and again, just staying focused on the things that are above. And Paul says, not on the things of the earth. Where we get into the most trouble sometimes is we're focused on the things of earth and we've completely lost sight of heavenly things. So I just leave you with this challenge this morning. What is your calling? What is your calling in order to protect, to preserve, and to promote unity in the Bible? I don't want you to think about anybody else's Okay, that's the temptation. That's where disharmony and unity comes in, is when you're more concerned about what somebody else should be doing than what you're doing, you got a problem. You're focused on the wrong things. So I'm not asking you, I'm not here this morning to say, what do I think that Bobby needs to do to promote, to preserve, and to protect unity in the body of Christ? Because Jeff has enough of his own to do without worrying about Bobby's part. Now I can pray for her and I will. I can encourage her and I will. To live it out, to walk it out, to do the things, Bobby, that only you can do to promote, to preserve, and to protect the unity in our body. Val, same thing. What is your specific calling that God is calling you to do today to protect, to promote, and to preserve unity in the body of Christ. Don't wait till there's disunity. Oftentimes, that's, that's where we want to spring into action. Boy, there's disunity, there's disharmony in the church, and now I'm all of a sudden going to start doing something. No, no, no. Don't wait until that happens. Because oftentimes, when that happens, it's too late. The enemy's got his foot so far in the door of the church that oftentimes it's too late. It's now. It's every day. It's every Sunday. What is my calling? What do I need to be doing to promote, to preserve, and to protect unity in the church? And again, every one of you in this room, you have a unique, specific calling for that one thing, unity in the body of Christ. Every one of you in here this morning, you are specifically gifted in a particular way, in a, in a godly way, that he wants to use you to protect, to promote, and to preserve unity in the body. Every one of us has a calling, every one of us has giftings, every one of us has unique contributions to that effort. And when we all work together, and we're just walking in obedience to that, we're not gonna have to worry about unity, it will just naturally manifest because we're doing the things we need to be doing to preserve, to protect, and to promote unity in the body. So I'm just going to ask us uh, to stand this morning, and that's what I just want to pray for. I want to just pray that each of us here this morning, we would know. And if you don't know, that you would be open to hearing, that you would be open to God speaking to your heart this morning. Here's how I have uniquely positioned and gifted you to, to preserve, to protect, and to promote unity in the body of Christ. Father, we just again thank you. The Lord, you have made each of us, Lord, in your image. 
And God, your image, it's so multifaceted. There is so much about you we know. There is so much about you we don't know. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that in this body that you have brought together, every, every person here, every person that claims Praise Community as their church, you have been brought here for a very, very specific purpose, and, and we are all created in the image of God, and we all are, are very, very multifaceted. We are different in so many ways, and those differences, God, you wanna use to build, to protect, to promote, and to preserve unity in the body of Christ. And every one of us in this church plays a role in that. That God, you have a specific plan and a purpose for us to fulfill that. And God, we wanna take that serious. We wanna concentrate on that. We wanna, we wanna come at that with a singular focus. And so we start this morning, again, just by recognizing one Father. that we have the same Father God who lives and dwells in perfect unity with the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that, Father, you desire to bring that same unity, that same harmony within the Godhead. You desire to bring that to your church. And just as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all play a unique role in protecting, preserving and promoting that unity within the Godhead. The Father, likewise, your body as well, that each one of us have a place and a purpose in that. So Father God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. That God, you would help us to see how you have uniquely equipped and called us to be a part of this family, of this body in promoting, protecting, and preserving unity. And no one person is more important than another. No one purpose is greater than another. Father, that it all works together. It all blends together perfectly. Just like that oil that ran down the head, the beard, the robe of Aaron. That your Holy Spirit would come and it would, it would run down the heads, the faces, the bodies of Praise Community Church. That God, you would bring a spirit of unity, of disharmony, or of harmony here, Father God, that there would be no disunity, no disharmony in this body. There will be differences, but not disunity. There will be differences, but not disharmony. So Father God, we just invite you to come and use us, fill us, Equip us to live this out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.